episode 63 of the Healthier Life Through Menopause podcast. Hi, I hope you're doing well. I'm recording this at the end of November 2023, and so a very happy belated Thanksgiving to all my lovely US listeners. I have to say, I know this sounds cheesy, but I am so thankful for all of you who tune in to listen to these episodes and who share them with friends and family. So thank you so much for listening and spreading the word. Just a little update from me, I'm still recovering from my foot injury that I acquired after running a trail marathon at the end of September, but please don't let that put you off running. I don't regret doing the marathon for one second, it was absolutely brilliant, but I am really missing all of my friends at my local running club. A quick shout out to any Bournemouth joggers ladies that are listening. But something that I can be thankful about is that it has given me the push to sign up at the gym again. I talk a lot about the benefits of strength training for us midlife women, so it's been great to really focus on that for a few weeks and to get back to some heavier lifting on the machines. And exercise during perimenopause is something that I touch on with today's very special guest, Dr Indra Barathan, who is a functional medicine doctor with her own private practice and team of specialists up in the north of England. I met Dr Indra in June at the Health Coaches Academy live event in London, where she was the keynote speaker, and so I was thrilled when she agreed to be a guest on the podcast. But before I introduce her to you, I wanted to let you know that from now until the 10th of December 2023, I have a special Black Friday deal for you. 50% off your membership subscription to the Healthier Life Club. That means that if you sign up now, you'll lock yourself into the fantastic monthly price of just £4.99. That's two live online group coaching sessions a month with me, plus weekly challenges, recipes, and lively chat with other members of the group, and more, just for £4.99 a month. And if you join us now, then you'll only pay £4.99 a month, even when I put the price back up again. So this really is a wonderful opportunity for you to come along and check out the Healthier Life Club and all of its benefits. So why not get yourself an early Christmas present and set yourself up for success throughout the holiday period and beyond. For more details and the link to join us, head to katherineshelton.com forward slash club. That's katherineshelton.com forward slash club. We can't wait for you to join us. So let me introduce you to Dr. Indra. Dr Indra graduated from Charing Cross and Westminster Medical School in 1997 and worked as an NHS GP until 2015 when she opened her specialist functional medicine practice to provide personalised functional medicine consultations. Indra now has one of the few multidisciplinary practices in the UK and her team comprises doctors, health coaches, nutritional therapists and a psychiatrist. Dr Indra's passion is helping her patients learn more about the journeys they have taken to get to where they are, but most importantly, what they can do to help themselves shift towards vitality. She loves supporting patients with complex medical needs, hormonal problems and gut issues. Her mission is to educate the world about functional medicine through her practice, community membership and free webinars. To quote Dr Indra, she says... Our hormones are working perfectly for us. I believe in who is the patient experiencing the disease, not what is the disease the patient is experiencing. And she further comments, Recently, I took a week out to sit and do nothing. And this has opened my eyes to realising that sometimes in your healing journey, you just need the space to be. So before we begin, a quick disclaimer as always. Although Dr Indra is a medical doctor, it's really important that you always consult your own doctor before making any changes to your diet and lifestyle, especially when adding supplements and herbal remedies. This podcast is for educational and inspirational purposes only. Okay, so without any further ado, let's dive into my conversation with the lovely Dr Indra. Hi, and welcome to the Healthier Life Through Menopause podcast, a show where we talk all things perimenopause so that you can be informed and empowered with great tips and strategies to help you live a healthier life through menopause and beyond. 
Whether or not you choose to take HRT, I believe there's so much more we can do to support our health and well-being through our diet and lifestyle. And that it's when we're intentional about our health that we can find the energy, balance and joy that we need in order to flourish in a life we love. If you're looking to find ways to navigate your way through perimenopause with calmness and confidence, then you're in the right place. I'm Catherine Shelton. Let's get started. Dr. Indra, welcome to the Healthier Life Through Menopause podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's so lovely to have you on the show. It's such a privilege. Uh, we got to meet in person over the summer, didn't we? So it's been a um, long time coming. I've been waiting for you to be able to come on the podcast and been really excited that we could make this happen. So thank you so much. Thank you. I love sharing my information to as many people as possible. So yeah, let's cover today. Yeah. So first of all, just um, start by introducing yourself and where you're from. Uh, so my name is Indra. Uh, I started my life as a general practitioner here in the UK. I love medicine, felt like that was my calling, felt that that's exactly what I wanted to do uh, as my service to humanity, I guess, is the, is the way I look at it. Um, probably about 10 years ago, I went through my own sort of burnout. I think if I look back now, I probably never put a tag on it before or a name on it but I definitely went through a burnout and just thought maybe medicine isn't for me anymore I needed to look for something different I then went off did a bit of interior design just to try something different and then started and then found functional medicine so that is what I do now I use a functional medicine approach to support my patients And I started up a collaborative care practice called the Dr. Indra practice to support patients with chronic complex medical needs who want a different way of approaching their health and well-being. Great. So for those of the listeners who are not quite sure what functional medicine is, could you just explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Functional medicine, to me, means a root cause approach to health and well-being. It's an approach. It isn't a thing. It isn't something that we do. It's how we want to view the person in front of us. And when I say root cause, I mean understanding why are you experiencing the symptoms you're experiencing? And once we understand that, it's very easy then, well, it's not easy, but it it makes us more aware of what's going on. It reduces the fear and it allows us to make lifestyle changes that can help our body optimize and bring back bring it back into balance. Mm, wonderful. So you set up this this new company and so you see people in person. Um yeah. is that right? Yes, we see yeah. people we see people in person and online. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are now a collaborative care team so we have a consultant psychiatrist, a consultant endocrinologist, two general practitioners, a nutritional therapist and we have a happiness and contentment coach. Um, so our team meet once a week where we discuss all our new patients and any of our older patients that need that extra little bit of support and the patients come either to see us personally up in Leeds uh, in north of England but otherwise a lot of our practitioners are seeing people online um, which is great really so it gives that flexibility Mm -hmm. for patients as well. Yeah that's great. So since the podcast is all about menopause, could you share a little bit about how you as a functional medicine doctor might approach someone coming to you with symptoms of perimenopause? So as I said, functional medicine is about getting to the root cause. When we're thinking about menopause, we want to understand all the factors that are in play for someone to experience the symptoms. In the end, menopause is just a word that sort of defines that last period and the 12 months after the last period. Whereas we, as a practice, want to understand all the different symptoms and get to the root of the symptoms. When we're thinking about how our body works, a lot of our symptoms are as a result of a word called inflammation. Inflammation the way I kind of think about it is like a fire going on in your body. 
And generally, it's kind of smoldering kind of fire. It's not like you've got an infection and there's swelling and there's redness and all of those things which you tend to find with inflammation. But it's a smoldering inflammation that's continuously going on in your body. When that's happening, you start to get, your body sends you signals to say, I'm inflamed. So when we're dealing with menopausal women, part of it is going to be the hormonal changes that are going on. But hormonal changes are technically natural for us to be going through at certain stages in our life. Why is it that some women experience it massively? And why is it that some women hardly get anything? The same thing is happening. So us as a clinic, we are really curious at understanding the human that's sitting in front of us. We want to know what has happened to you before you've got to this point, before the symptoms arrived. Before we put a little label on you to say these are menopausal or perimenopausal symptoms. We then want to understand each of those symptoms to see well what is causing it. So something like, say, a lot of people are talking about sort of mood changes. They're thinking, well, that's estrogen is dropping. But inflammation in the body can create inflammation in the brain, and that can cause mood changes. Nutrient deficiencies can cause mood changes. Chronic infections can cause mood changes. Uh, allergies, all of those things, which are the root causes of inflammation, could be causing the inflammation, uh, could be causing the mood changes including the hormonal changes that happen. Mm, well, that's so interesting. Yeah, so there's so much going on below the surface. It's not just the changes in hormones. We are assessing our patient. Conventionally, you probably get, oh, well, these are the symptoms. Okay, this is probably menopause. Here's an antidepressant or here's a HRT or here's this. Off you go. We want to know everything about you. Mm. And once we understand that, we're then looking to understand what lifestyle factors that you have control of that can actually impact how your body works. Then we look at what nutrients and maybe supplements or any kind of supportive therapy that's needed for how your body is working. And then we may use some hormones as well. Right. I see. So in terms of the first step approach and you know what you can do in terms of lifestyle factors and nutrition, what kind of approaches do you normally find that you use with these kinds of patients? So when we're thinking about hormones, we are looking at, there's a little mnemonic that the Institute of Functional Medicine use. We're looking at production, sensitivity, how the receptors are, uh, that's the sensitivity of the receptors. We're looking at um, your detoxification, and clearing out of the hormones. So for us, when we're thinking about food, how do you produce our hormones? The baseline for all female hormones and a lot of hormones is actually cholesterol. So we wanna know that you're having good fats in your food and that you're able to digest and absorb those fats. So that's one step in making sure that we've got the production. Then if we're looking at how you're metabolizing and clearing your hormones, how are you doing that? Have you got all the nutrients that you need to support that whole process? Mm. So having a good phytonutrient background, the, all the colors of the rainbow allow us to make sure that we have all the nutrients that we need for our body to utilize the hormones that we've mm. got. And in terms of like the receptor sensitivity, are we eating anything or being exposed to anything that could be impacting on that? So things like your chemicals and toxins in the environment. Mm -hmm. I mean, we want to clear that. That's kind of going off nutrition, but that's another way of thinking about it. And then finally, it's kind of detoxifying, clearing away and making sure you have a balance of your hormones. We want to make sure that you've got enough fiber in your diet, uh, making sure that your gut is moving effectively so it can clear the toxins from your diet. So when we're thinking about nutrition to support perimenopause, good rainbow set of colors of veg, good fiber, uh, making sure you've got good fats, 
uh, and making sure that um, you're removing any toxins that you may be exposed to. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It explains why we're doing what we're doing in terms of nutritional support. Yeah. I think the other key thing with nutrition and perimenopause is that the biggest driver for perimenopausal symptoms is stress and blood sugar management. So from a nutrition perspective, uh, we love and we, we totally always explain about blood sugar balance and how you can optimize that as much as you can in your nutrition that you're having. Because that massive swings that happen when you're not in a very good blood sugar management will trigger responses such as the hot flashes and things. Mm. That's interesting. So there's a link between the the blood sugar balance and the hot flashes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess it's a stressor to your body and the stresses is one of the triggers for hot flashes. Mm. So you definitely want to make sure your blood sugar balance is as good as possible. So we talked about what to add to your food, but what do we want to take away? So things like caffeine, alcohol, ultra processed foods, which is yeah, I think most people know, but now we have the science behind to mm. say, well, this is why and what could be happening with it. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because so many women going through this stage of life, you know, it's often find yourselves turning to the caffeine and the alcohol just to support you through all the stresses. And actually, that's detrimental, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's kind of understanding. I mean, I've always said and one of the things I say always is that our body is working perfectly for us. Let's get curious as to the signals it's sending. Mm. If you are turning to caffeine, alcohol, sugary kind of foods, why are you needing it? Mm. You know, not, you know, yes, there's the whole willpower, mindset, all of that kind of thing. But underneath it, there is a drive for your body to get that stimulation, to get the sugar that it needs, the energy that it needs, and the carbohydrates because it's feeling like it needs that energy. Then we have to get curious as to say, well, why does it need it in that form? What's missing that means that you have to grab it and be, you know, kind of driven by that? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So how would you perhaps approach, I know it's obviously different for every single client, but how would you approach the blood sugar balancing, you know, to to get their blood sugars more regulated? I think for us, it's about understanding where they eat, how they eat, why they eat what they eat. And we use some very basic principles um, in, in our clinic is making sure that they have half a plate of vegetables, quarter plate of protein, and then the rest of the plate, carbohydrates and fats in the, in the plate. And that in itself already improves the balance of what they're eating each time and how the blood sugar changes. Some of our patients, we even advise having a continuous glucose monitor so that they can learn to see what happens with their blood sugars um, as they go along. So it's 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 getting back to the basics. Yeah, yeah. And just coming back to what you were saying about healthy fats, it's interesting because I find that so many women um, who are going through menopause now, they've come from that generation, haven't they, where we were told fat is bad, you know, eat low fat, cut all fats out. And so many of us have still got that mentality. It's quite hard to start eating fats again, but we really need to, don't we, healthy fats? Absolutely. And I think once you start to realise that, you know, I can't remember the actual figures, but large percentage of our brain is fat. So we do need to make sure that we are digesting and taking in good fats, not all the ultra processed plastic fats, I guess is the way to look at it. Um, you know, and it's so good for us. It really supports our blood sugar management. It really, you know, improves that, uh, the whole profile of how our body works. If you're able to digest and absorb the fats that you're eating, I think a lot of places that were, that removed the fat from the diet, supplemented it with something else. Mm. And what we're seeing is that there's a lot of sugar where the fat got taken out, even if it's better sugars or, you know, those kind of things. Well, they're still going to create the same response in your insulin mm. 
system yeah. Yeah. so moving on to sort of more lifestyle changes so we've talked a little bit about nutrition um so what kind of things do you recommend to your clients around changing their lifestyle to help support their stress levels and whatever yeah. else so we have so we've talked about nutrition the other sort of lifestyle factors or modifiable lifestyle factors that we talk about is sleep movement and i use the word stress but it's how we view the world mm. So the next big area that we talk about is how we view the world. So how you view the world and how you sense the world around you impacts on your nervous system. The nervous system impacts on how your body works. So understanding your stress response, your resilience is really important to understanding how you create inflammation and how this inflammation then further impacts on your digestion your blood sugar management, you can see how it all kind of fits together. So for our women in our clinic, we want to educate them about their cycles, educate them about the different phases in their cycles and how in different phases of the cycle you need different, I mean, generally the same, but there may be certain times that you need a little bit more carb because it does help your progesterone and your um, those kind of parts of your female hormonal system. Maybe there are times that you need to do uh, be a little bit more wary and actually allow yourself to rest a little bit more. So we kind of coach them about what they're needing and getting to know what they need for their own cycle. And even up to the point after, it's understanding what your body needs. So managing your stress or not managing, but understanding how you respond to the world around you and finding ways that helps you to drop into what I call the green zone, which is your rest and heal and digest zone, is really important for all our women going mm. forward. Yeah. Our women nowadays, when they're getting to this perimenopause, is when everything is going for them. They've got little kids, they've got older parents, they've got their job, they've got husband, they're l- l- literally doing everything and anything that they possibly can and we're all on super high alert and we're expecting our bodies just to go I'm fine I can do it all yeah in fact as we're recording this it's it's almost coming up to Christmas isn't it and that's just another thing that tends to land on our plates as women isn't it all the the Christmas cards and the sorting out the presents and the buying the food and sorting out all the different family things that's going to be going on and it can be a real stressful time of year for many people and it's about finding a way to see how we're creating that reality because we're creating it. We don't have to do half the things that we yeah. think we should do. That's so true. <laughs> and can you get a bit curious as to say, well, why is it that we should do this? Mm. And seeing what you can do to sort of let go and try really hard to be in the moment. Um for yourself and so yeah we we definitely speak about the stress response and finding ways of people to get into that green zone rest heal and digest so yeah yeah that's brilliant um and you mentioned exercise so what kind of things do you recommend for that so women are uh, in this age are either like super stressed out and not moving at all because they're stuck in front of a desk like this or or they are super healthy going out running you know doing you know there's a kind of a spectrum and really if they are having symptoms we need to figure out whether the exercise is actually creating more inflammation or there's not enough exercise to actually help support health and well-being so it's finding that balance because some of our uh, patients are feel like they're on a treadmill and they go to the gym sometimes a week and everything else but they're not actually resting because one of the things we've not spoken about we always think of menopause as being just about the estrogen and the sex hormones whereas actually it's about all the hormones when we are assessing a patient uh, for perimenopausal symptoms we start with the adrenals and then your blood sugar we look at your thyroid, and then finally we look at the sex hormones. And it's not just about estrogen. It's about your progesterone, and it's about the testosterone. So there's so much more 
going on uh, rather than just um, the estrogen itself. How that's linked to the adrenals is that if you are stressing yourself out, doing a lot of exercise, even though you might be enjoying it, your body is under that level of stress. And that may be then impacting on how you process the hormones. So what happens and what we've learned is that if your body is under threat, it will make sure that you're safe before it produces enough sex hormones for you to reproduce. So there is something called a cortisol steel thing that happens where your body will basically prioritize producing adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, then it will producing all your female sex hormones. So if somebody is running a lot and taxing their adrenals in that way, then actually movement, we need to slow them down. But if somebody is stressed out and tired and fatigued that way, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of movement can be very beneficial and mainly strength movement. Mm. So, you know, resistance kind of training, not necessarily pounding the streets running and things like that, sort of those kind of movements, because that also then has an impact on your stress response. It improves your breathing, it, it improves your flexibility, and it also then impacts on your bone density, which is another thing that... Mm. Um, women also get worried about when they're entering that sort of mm. menopause period. So what you're saying is kind of tone it down a bit on the cardio and raise the the strength training element to the exercise. Yeah, yeah, balance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Okay, so that's sort of um, nutrition and lifestyle. That was like stage one, as you were saying, and then you talked about sort of the next step might be sort of suggesting sort of supplements and other things. So, so what would that look like? For some people we missed, we missed out sleep oh sorry sleep yes <laughs> it's always the one that's always at the back because <laughs> we think oh, we should all be doing it <laughs> um but yeah just what we tend to say to our our patients is make sure that you are prioritizing sleep sleep is like a double-edged sword in a way because as the hormones start to change you can start to get sleep disturbances the sleep disturbances then can impact on how you eat and how you move and how you process your hormones and things. So it's a double-edged sword. So it's finding what's right for you and making sure you're prioritizing your sleep. And if it is that the sleep is due to your hormones, then when we talk about the HRT, then that might be something that will help improve mm. your your mental health and your brain health and things as well going forward. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's a double-edged sword. But making sure that sleep is a priority. I mean, I have recently started using a, an aura ring just for my own information, just to understand. And it's so interesting as to how much sleep that you think you're getting versus what you are getting and making sure that, you know, for me, I've realized that seven and a half hours is my optimal. And I feel wonderfully refreshed when everybody was telling me, actually, you need eight hours and this, that and the other. So it's about finding what's right for you when it comes to yeah I, I had a client once who just thought she was sleeping fine and couldn't work out why she kept feeling tired every afternoon felt like a nap and then when she actually got some kind of sleep tracker and actually saw how much time she was actually asleep she was amazed she you couldn't believe it so she, it completely changed her whole routine and she saw a massive improvement in her energy levels because of that so so sometimes these kind of trackers can be really helpful can't they yeah, it's about getting curious again. We don't yeah. want to get on them. No. And kind of get worried if it's X and Y. Just kind of get curious as to why is it showing up in that way today when I feel like, Ugh. but my aura ring is like, you're 90% ready. You're fine. <laughs> yes. Get off your day. Let's try something new. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's not what my mind is telling me. What's going on here? Yeah. I think your point was also that, um, you know, we might all be told eight hours, you know, sleep is the ideal, but everyone's different, aren't they? And so for some, it might be slightly less, for some, it might be slightly more. It's just finding that sweet spot that works for you. Isn't that right? And understanding your cycles, because as your cycles change, your sleep will also change with that as well. So knowing that, knowing that, okay, as I'm entering this phase of my cycle, I tend to sleep less then you won't wake up thinking, oh, I haven't had as much sleep. You're like, oh, okay, it's fine. 
I've got more time to get up and do other stuff. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a way of spinning it. And then at certain parts of the cycle where you're going to maybe need a little bit more sleep, you then can prioritize to make sure, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to need that extra bit. So I'm going to go maybe go to bed a little bit earlier if I still have to wake up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking about cycles, do you have any sort of recommendations for people who, you know, as they go through menopause, they find their cycles become quite erratic. You know, they can be very close together or they can be like really spaced out. And so it's quite difficult sometimes to work out where you are on your cycle. You know, am I in the time of the month, as it were, where I I need to be sort of resting a little bit more and maybe increasing the carbs or I don't know, you know, how would you advise someone who's finding that they've got erratic cycles? I think your body will probably sending you other signals as well. And it's about learning what those signals are meaning. So it might be that you have a couple of days where your sleep isn't as well. Okay, which part of my cycle does this happen? It may not be, but it might be that you've had a lot of stress or whatever else. But, you know, is that what happens? Um, Some people have used things like temperature to be able to look at that and kind of monitor things. I think it's about being curious to your body and being compassionate to our body if we can be to say thank you for telling me this let me see what i need to do today when we become a bit more conscious of what our body needs it will tell you what you need mm. you know that if you get quiet on a day where you're feeling a little bit bleh, if you really really quiet there'll be a voice that says you just need to go and have a nap yeah and it's whether or not we decide to listen to that voice yeah. <laughs> it's there is a there is some science behind it but some of it may be just listening to that gut instinct Mm -hmm. within us Um, and what we found in our practice is giving women permission to listen to that gut Mm -hmm. instinct yeah so true so is there anything else around kind of lifestyle factors um i think i think the only other thing is community Mm. I think um, we have been, we've talked a lot about it in our clinic recently about the kind of loneliness and isolation that some women end up feeling. Um, they can be lonely in a crowd, you know, that, that sort of sense of connection because mm. connection and community is so therapeutic for our hormonal system. Mm. It, in, it engages a whole other set of hormones. So for our women who are very isolated, maybe just at home or, and you know, or whatever, we want to try and find a way to get them to connect with others uh, because that in itself creates so much healing. Mm. Somebody was saying, I think loneliness is as risky for mortality as smoking. Wow. Yes. I've heard that statistic too. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Because there's all inflammation that you're creating from feeling that sense of isolation. Mm. I don't think for some people lockdown was great, but for some people it really did show up that this was a really important part of their composition. Some people are absolutely fine on their own and it doesn't cause a problem. But for some people, the makeup Mm. is they need to be in community. Yeah all the sister circles that are popping up and things like that where you're just able to share and really realize that you're not on your own doing this it's just so powerful absolutely and I feel like we've lost a lot of that sense of community here and at least here in the UK maybe not in other countries around the world but um I I often talk about the blue zones on my podcast because I just find it absolutely fascinating and in so many of those areas in the world where people are living the longest healthiest lives so many of them they have this big community feel around them don't they Um, and it's it's contributing to their health and their longevity and that's so important well I think somebody was talking about just you know something as simple as your meal that you have at night or whatever meals that you're having through the day have a different person come and have share that meal with you already improves so many different parameters in your body heart rate variability or digestion your 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 stress response your vagus nerve that's kind of quite simple but we're all head down on the go that we don't even yeah 
think about just going, oh, come over there and just have this. You don't have to do anything fancy. We'll just share a meal with you. Yeah, yeah. And also for many women, you know, they struggle with sort of increased anxiety around this time. And just having that social outlet where you can just share your issues with people and talk about your problems and feel like people are listening and understanding and supporting you then that will have a knock-on effect, won't it, for not only your anxiety sort of lessening, but also maybe improved sleep and other areas. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think that's, I think it's quite an important part of that lifestyle factors that we may not be fully talking about because it's not something that we can easily flip or Mm. take a supplement or do an activity Mm. that takes that energy to actually walk outside the house or make a phone call or something that moves you away but I guess being aware that that could be contributing to how you're feeling Mm. maybe a very simple step to really supporting the symptoms that you're experiencing yeah that's great okay so then moving on to that second step of um you know looking at maybe some supplements that you can add in what kind of things do you recommend to your clients so when we're looking at that sort of what are the symptoms doing by, or what physiology physiology is out of balance for you to create those symptoms? Um, we want to make sure that you've got all the nutrients that you're needing. So our kind of top nutrients that we use are things like magnesium. Um, magnesium glycinate in particular is really helpful because the glycine is quite calming to our, our whole system. It helps with sleep. It helps with gut motility. And I think magnesium, I'm sure you've heard the stats before, but it's about involved in like 300, 350 different pathways in our body to allow our body to work effectively. And it gets utilized when we're under stress and pressure. So we're generally a little bit more magnesium depleted mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so that's one of our one of the main ones that we tend to to say to people to try. I haven't really had any contraindications. Maybe people with high blood pressure, mm-hmm. it does drop your blood pressure. So don't go and take it without speaking to a uh, practitioner anyway before you start any of these yeah. supplements that we yes. may be talking about. Please Absolutely. don't do that. Absolutely. Um, um, so magnesium is, a, is one of our top ones. Um, vitamin C. Vitamin C again, is an antioxidant, so it helps with the whole detoxification and of mopping up that fire that's going on uh, in your system. It also helps with the metabolism of your progesterone. It also helps with your um, gut motility. So it has a number of different effects on your system. And that might be something that you add in from time to time. You may not take it all the time, you may take it when generally your progesterone may be a bit lower as you're leading up to that cycle. Those kind of things um, might be a way of, of doing it. But we use we use vitamin C a bit. Um, then we have vitamin D. Vitamin D is, again, really kind of important for our immune system. And uh, I think the levels that we've been told to take are so minute, probably a lot higher than what we've should be taking and it's so important for brain health um, as well we've seen patients who've taken vitamin d and just noticed that their brain has just kind of cleared up wow it's been yeah okay that that's yeah. what the science says but it's actually seeing it in yes and it can be really quite fascinating how how that works and even vitamin c i've had patients who've been suffering from fatigue and i said well what's going on with your gut and they were still kind of slow, a little bit sluggish. So I said, okay, let's just try increasing vitamin C up by whatever, uh, like increase it up slowly. And we sort of say 5,000, 6,000 is kind of upper limit, but I've had people on eight or 9,000 and that's when they start to notice mm-hmm. the benefit. We are curious as to why they need so much. So there may be a, a fire that we've not found that they're needing to support with that. But actually what happens is that the gut starts to move, they start to detoxify, things start to move in a much better Mm. way. Mm. So vitamin D, magnesium, uh, vitamin C, um, probiotics. Mm -hmm. 
they can be really useful to just help with gut motility, gut function. Um, and there's so much more research coming about uh, probiotics nowadays in terms of how they can support the vaginal health, your gut health, all of those those side of things. So we don't maybe use that first line, but definitely something uh, that we use quite a bit of in mm. treatment. And it's kind of pros and cons if people are having kind of gut symptoms like bloating and things like that. It may make things worse, but it may also improve. So it's about finding the right one that mm. suits you going forward. Mm. Uh, and one more is the omegas, the omega threes, and having a balance. There's that's again down to your good fats, making sure that you've got adequate good fats in your diet, and helping with. Um, making and supporting your hormonal production, but also with the good fats, there's been so much evidence showing how it improves your brain health mm. as well. So finding a good omega-3 will be good. Mm. We also may also use some herbs and things. Um, but again, that's again individualized to the patient, but herbs such as things like ashwagandha can be quite useful in terms of helping the the nervous system and the stress response that uh, we've been talking about as well mm-hmm. and you might have heard I think you mentioned in one in I think you were mentioning about things like black cosh and yeah dip. those are the kind of the standard menopause kind of herbs that people are recommended like red clover and, and St John's wort and things like that so what's your I, take on those I think for the herbs you do need to be working with a practitioner because the quality of the herb will affect how potent they really are. So we've seen that with the quality of our supplements. So we use particular brands of supplements because there's often the high street supplements may not be as, I don't know what the word potent is, but as, yeah, potent is the right word, I guess. So because they're not regulated, not every capsule needs to have X dose in it. That's what we've been told. So the more sort of regulated, more pharmaceutical industry ones tend to be better for you. So they must all have a place because there's research for each and every one of them. Something like St. John's wort, we tend to be a bit more careful with because it has a lot of other interactions and it can cause problems with liver. Mm. things like that. So even though it's herbs, a lot of our medication came from herbs. Mm we still need to take them as being artificial to our body. Um, so, yeah, they do have their place. Uh, we have uh, another herb that we use for progesterone called Vitex or Chasti, Chasti Berry. I think it's one of those, one of the name fully. But that can help sort of improve your progesterone levels and uh, in your body. So we do use herbs, but we use them making sure we understand what effect it's going to be having on your body yeah. and making sure it's the right potency. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So we've done um, the nutrition and lifestyle factor. We've looked at supplements. So step three, you know, at what stage do you feel like your clients might need a little bit more extra support in terms of something like HRT? So the other part of the biochemistry is making sure that there's other things are not going on. We also want to look at your sort of inflammatory response and things like that. So it might be that your your hormones are decreasing, but you've got autoimmunity somewhere, or you might have a dysfunction in your um, thyroid gland or something else. We do need to make sure that that's all optimized. So when it comes down to something specific like hormone replacement therapy, we want to make sure that we call it our matrix, which is all the modifier factors and all the body systems are spinning in a correct way. We're not missing any bits of it. And then if hormones are what is needed, then we do go down the route of hormonal replacement therapy. What we find is, and there's a kind of flip side to that, some people are so depleted that their hormones are just so low and they feel so unwell that actually hormones is the first line that we do. Because as my colleague, uh, Dr. Elsa says, it kind of turns down the volume so that you can actually start to make some of those lifestyle 
changes. Because making those lifestyle changes needs brain health. It needs motivation. It needs all of those things to be able to get there. And if everything has just got to the point that it's so depleted, then sometimes we go straight in with the hormones. And once they feel that little bit better, we can start working on other things. And then what we tend to find is that the hormone level, the need for hormone decreases, and we find the lowest possible dose that suits them going forward. Right. And what's your take generally on sort of how long you should be taking HRT and when the optimal time to take HRT is, depending on when you hit menopause? You know, Do you have any uh, thoughts around that? So with uh, HRT, there, if you're going through early menopause, then considering HRT is probably a good thing to be doing earlier rather than later. So before that 50, 51 mark. Because there is research coming out or there is research out saying that it is sort of brain protective, you know, for dementia and those kind of things, cardiovascular protection and your bone protection. There is evidence behind it, especially if you're kind of hitting your menopause earlier than what you should be. After menopause, I think the official guidelines is about five years um, because of the increased risk of things like vas- uh, your clots and things like that. But what we have been starting to see, we use compounded body identical HRT, which means that we go down to very low doses and we are monitoring and measuring things on a regular basis. We tend to see people can be on it for X, you know, I don't want to say forever, but you know, for as long as they need it and they will know when they need it. Mm. As long as I think as long as we're monitoring it and the patient understands the risks associated with it and it's keeping them feeling well, then that's absolutely mm. fine. So it's interesting because um, several years ago, obviously, there was this big thing around HRT. Everyone was very scared about the risk of breast cancer and um, really were very concerned about taking it. And now it's almost like it's flipped the other way. And a lot of the messaging we're getting from various sources, from you know celebrities and books and podcasts, is that actually HRT is very beneficial in terms of you know helping with bone density and cardiovascular issues later on in life and and almost women are being suggested that you know you should be taking HRT even if perhaps you haven't got you know major hormonal symptoms you know what what would you say to that woman who um perhaps isn't feeling too bad going through menopause but is getting a little bit of pressure to maybe think about taking HRT anyway I would make sure that all the other risk factors relating to cardiovascular disease is optimized. All the other risk factors relating to osteoporosis is optimized. You know, making sure there's, because things like cardiovascular disease and osteoporosis, again, link to inflammation. So if we have reduced inflammation and we are as low risk as we can be for cardiovascular disease, then it comes down to personal choice if they want to take something like this. I don't know that we have the evidence off the top of my head to say that somebody who's well will prevent. I, I, I don't know what the, the stats say about that. But for me, if somebody does come in saying that, I would want to make sure everything else is optimized. Mm-hmm. Once everything else is optimized and actually the factor that is, you know, that could be part of it is the hormones, then once we've discussed it, there's no reason. And the thing about the research that happened all those years ago is that the formulations that were being used are not the same formulations that are now. They weren't body identical hormones. And what they found is that the body, the hormones that were here that were there before and the way they were being taken was what was increasing the risk. And they realized it was the progestins that were being used and not the body identical progesterone that's now present because it's like a lock and key effect the lock you need that that's your receptor the is you know the the hormone has to come and fit inside for it to work what was happening is it kind of fitted but it didn't properly fit and so now the newer hrts which are the body identical ones fit perfectly and they work as the body should work with it 
So that is the one of the reasons that the risk has significantly dropped from the research we have. I mean, research is changing all the time. Yes. With the best possible knowledge for today, that's what the research is, is saying about the head chanting. Right. Well, this has been such a fascinating conversation. I could talk to you for hours about this, but we do need to bring it to a close. Is there anything else that you would like to say to the listeners that we, perhaps we haven't covered? Any other kind of tips or recommendations? I think the main thing is your body is whole and it's not broken. Be curious to the symptoms that you're experiencing and listen to that little voice within you. Yeah, great. Thank you. So where can listeners find you online, Indra, if they want to find out more about what you do and maybe even, you know, go to your clinic? Uh, Where can they find you? So we have a website, www.drindra.co.uk, that has all sorts of information, all our pods, uh, uh, blogs and everything there. We have regular webinars that we are hosting. So you can sign up for those webinars. They're all free webinars for you to have a listen to. We'll have a link to this podcast on there and all the other podcasts that we've been on as a team. Um, We're also on Instagram and in Facebook. So if you want to follow us to see what we're up to, our lovely nutritional therapist, Corey, gives out regular recipes um, and things like that that can really be supportive to people just wanting to find a slightly different way of working if you want to book a complimentary discovery call and um, there is a link on our website uh, otherwise if you send an email to pa at drindra.co.uk sarah and avril our patient care team will be happy to organize a complimentary call for you to just the idea behind the complimentary call is just to kind of explore what you're looking for and whether we're the right team for you moving forward mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you. I'll make sure that all those links are in the show notes afterwards. Well, thank you so much, Indra. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, quickly, before you go, if this podcast has helped and inspired you in some way, then please jump over to your podcast provider and leave me an honest review. That way, more people can find this show and be inspired too. I personally read every single review and your feedback is so encouraging to me. The second way you can help get the word out is to take a quick screenshot of this episode or of your review and share it in your Instagram stories. Tag me at Catherine Shelton Coaching and I'll share it right back. Thank you so much. Until next time.